Hello, everyone. Roto World's Josh Norris here with the Roto World Football Podcast, the second of the week. Thanks so much for letting us into your ears, Internet. Um, I am stuck inside in this blizzard. It's like a foot of snow out here in Connecticut. Meanwhile, you can hear Evan Silva on the other side with birds chirping. I'm guessing it's like 70 degrees in Chicago. That's just how I'm picturing it. Meanwhile, my windows are covered in snow. Uh, Evan, what's actually, up, buddy? in Chicago right now, it's it's super super sunny, but it's actually 13 degrees. No way. Outside, yeah. <laughs> well, I have 13 inches of snow outside, so okay. <laughs> uh, I think I win this one. Um, yeah. So last week, as everyone knows, we talked about Leonard Fournette, Mike Williams, a few other prospects, Joe Mixon. Go check that out. I know the first half is kind of a Super Bowl preview, but just fast forward and check it out if you have not. Um, Evan and I are always tweeting about these prospects as the draft process goes along, so be sure to follow both of us. I'm sure you do. Um, And we'll both have content up on the NFL section and the draft section of Roto World. And always, we appreciate when you rate and review the podcast. Subscribe, absolutely, because we'll have more of these churning out. Evan, today on the list... We have Corey Davis, wide receiver from Western Michigan, Cooper Cup, wide receiver from Eastern Washington, Taewon Taylor, wide receiver from Western Kentucky, Alvin Kamara, Tennessee running back, and Dalvin Cook, Florida State running back. Um, Since we talked about Mike Williams last week, Evan, let's start with this. Let's start with Corey Davis, who many believe is neck and neck or one or two with Mike Williams. What were your takeaways from watching Corey Davis's game? Yeah, Corey Davis listed at six foot three, two thirteen. I think he's every bit that. Yep. Um, he, you know, the, uh, from a, the, a positive standpoint, I think what really stands out about him is that he's a big wide receiver who moves like a small wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He is. He has incredible quickness, almost like basketball level quickness for his size. You know, like he would be like a like a Bradley Beal type um, if he played basketball. Uh, And he's very physical. I mean, he loves using that powerful stiff arm. Um, He has a very impressive combination of power, quickness, elusiveness after the catch. He can stop on a dime. Um, If you remember Brandon Marshall coming out of college, he played at UCF, uh, he was a little, you know, he was leaner than, I mean, he, he's become, you know, he, these guys who were in the league for like a decade, their games sort of change over the course of their career. But when he right. was coming out, he was a, a dominant uh, post-catch receiver. And, and it's uh, also the difference between, you know, a 21-year-old and a 28-year-old at the point you, you get to with Brandon Marshall, right? So it's, yeah, it's obviously for a change sure. physically as well. For sure. Um, he reminded me a little bit of that. I mean, he's like, he's a little bit leaner than, than Brandon Marshall. I remember Brandon Marshall, like Mike Mayock used to call him baby T.O. when he was coming out of uh, college. You know, he, he's not, Corey Davis not built up quite like Brandon Marshall was, but they're, they're, I think their games were a little bit similar. Um, with Corey Davis, we do not see him against any top-end competition. The best, to- the best team that we saw him play against was Wisconsin in the bowl game. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're watching them against Buffalo. We're watching them against Ball State. I right. think they played like Rice. Uh, and 
you know, he, he was the best player on the field in those games. Um, you know, so clearly there are a lot of positive aspects to his skill set. One thing that stood out to me and bugged me, and I first noticed it uh, in the first game that I watched against Wisconsin uh, because he, he did it on, on this touchdown catch that he – their quarterback dropped back to pass and threw the ball just completely up for grabs. You know, He knows that Corey Davis is his best receiver. He trusts him to make the play. Corey Davis makes the play. Uh, for, for the touchdown and it was amongst like three or four defenders in the end zone and when he goes and gets it he catches it he lets it into his body um, the more that I watched Corey Davis the more that I noticed that he would let the ball into his body and uh, this translated to a couple of drops yeah um, but he, he would he would still like win letting the ball into his body against defenders from Buffalo and Ball State. And this showed up, I thought, on slant routes, which, I mean, you know, in the NFL, I I don't think any receiver coach that sees their receiver letting the ball into their body on on a slant route, you know, I don't think that's going to fly. He also – Yeah, yeah, no, no, here, I I got got one last thing, and then then you can interject. so when, when we think of big receivers who win downfield in the pros, uh, we think of like Alshon Jeffrey who will go up in high point or even like Tyler Eifert. You know, that was something that separated him from other, you know, from tight ends, uh, you know, that, that have come out in recent years and has made him an elite talent in the NFL. On downfield catches, I would, you know, I, I – I would never see Corey Davis go up and high point the football. He would, he would, he would win against these weaker defenders, but he would like trap the ball against his body. Um, I, you know, that was something that that just continually stood out to me, and I think is potentially a big concern. I mean, I love him athletically, love him from a size standpoint, right. love his game after the catch, but that that was it was concerning. Uh, okay, a few things. One, I'll, I'll immediately address your point, and we we saw a lot of similar things. And I should have said in that two minute intro that Evan and I don't talk about this before, and at least we try not to. So you guys are getting our first conversations about this, which is what I make what, what I think makes this a fun activity. Um, two, I watched like this video, and again, this is just one person's opinion. Uh, Michael Irvin a few years ago talking about slants and how when a corner is close coverage um, and the ball is coming towards someone's body, that body catching is absolutely fine. Um, Now that's just on slants and that's all he was talking about. But in a bigger picture, and I'm sure that there'll be some missed opportunities because of it, but on the bigger picture, like body catching isn't high up on the list for me. Um, But I'm, I'm not as specific, you know, as some evaluators are with technique and things like that. Um, that's mm-hmm. just not my game, uh, to put it one way. Um, but I, I completely agree with you, Evan, that at six three two thirteen, he kind of plays the small receiver game more than he plays the big receiver game. Yeah. So will that work when he's matching up with Xavier Rhodes? You know, will that? It's a good question, and and I I, I do think it will. Now, will it work as successfully as when, uh, you know, he faces some five nine corners on the outside? Probably not. But, um. Even when he does win those contested catches, those 50-50 situations, he doesn't really leave the ground. 
Um, like he might extend his arms or catch a little bit outside of his frame, but not often. And it's mm-hmm. it's more of an on the ground type receiver. But I will say this, Evan: like how he wins after the catch is it's it's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. he becomes a powerful runner in many situations after the catch, and that's something that we rarely see at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's led some people to compare him to Julio Jones and compare him to like Amari Cooper. And I think their styles are very different. I wouldn't put him in that like natural, uh, easy speed that those two have, you know? Um, but again, I think that winning after the catch, he wins in the small game, right? He creates separation. He sustains it. And mm-hmm. then he'll pick up yards on his own. And I think that that's absolutely an important thing where he has that kind of trump card or a winning area that I think absolutely translates to the NFL. Um, and to me, it just shows how different of a prospect he is to Mike Williams. Yeah, very, very different. I mean... Like, they're apples they're, and oranges. I know they play the same position, but they're very, very different prospects. Could not agree more. I mean, there, there were times where I thought that Corey Davis, like, didn't trust his hands or he wasn't comfortable relying on his hands and he needed the ball to be in his body to to feel like comfortable securing it Hmm. um Um, i'll I'll look up his drop rate at some point and yeah and and get that to you i don't i don't even know if his drop rate would necessarily be that high okay i just am curious and look i mean we're, we're analyzing like top prospects right coming into the nfl all these guys project pretty well and I mean, I'm still trying to like pick, I'm, maybe I'm like predisposed to wanting to like pick out a negative. Um, again, his game is strong, but I think that in this one area, I think it's a concern slash question mark. And we all have types and we talk about every single podcast. And whenever I talk about prospects, I discuss it. Um, and at some point, even though like we just talked about that, he and Mike Williams even though they are both listed at wide receivers, they play the position very differently. Uh, My type is more Corey Davis than it is Mike Williams. Um, But, you know, different offenses that want a jump ball receiver will look at that differently. So, I mean, Evan, do you have an answer for that one? Which one you prefer between the two? I don't, I don't even know. I, I, they're they're so different. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, they're they're just, they're just very different. Okay. Um, We spent 10 minutes on this one. So let's, let's move on. Um, and, and for everyone out there that well, we has don't not... have to talk about the Super Bowl this time, <laughs> this is true, <laughs> but we're still in like a 35 minute cap. I'll, I'll say this. Anyone that's out there that has not watched Corey Davis, I posted a page of like 15 or 20 Corey Davis clips that you can check out. Um, it's all mainly positive stuff just so you know, because I like to stay positive. No more negative nars. Uh, Evan, let's move <laughs> over to, to Cooper cup. Uh, someone who's also tall, uh, 6014-198 at the Senior Bowl. I mean, I'll, I'll state it, Evan. Some of this Cooper Cup stuff has gotten a bit outlandish for, for too rich for my blood, to put it one way. Um, he's some wide receiver three. Uh, some have mentioned that, you know, he could be a first-round prospect. There's some that said he's, his Senior Bowl week was absolutely stunning, and that's a whole other conversation because – you know, there's so many people at the senior bowl and they can all see different things, even though they're watching the same thing. Um, what stood out to you positively and negatively about Cooper cup? So I remember last year, Braxton Miller got this same treatment and we were told that Braxton Miller would be a first round pick. Yeah. 
because he made about seven moves and seven breaks in his cuts and one-on-ones. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I still, I kind of like Braxton Miller. Yeah, um, but but it shows you, you know, how it, long the process is. Right, right. Um, Cooper Cup played in a wide open spread against horrible defenses, and he operated in a lot of space. I mean, he he was just always in space. Yep. Um, you know, I think manufactured he, space. Yes, yes. He, I think he had. He showed very good hands. You know, I thought that he looked to me like a technically sound wide receiver. Um, he was a spread slot receiver who killed bad defenses on run after catch. And, uh, I mean, the best defense that I saw him against, I think, was Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, he's old. He will be turning 24 in June. Yep. Uh, so he was a guy that, you know, at age 23 and 22 – was beating up on, you know, guys who will never even get a camp invite in the NFL, uh, who were younger than him. Uh, you know, can he be? I, I sometimes when I watch these guys in my notes, I'll put, I'll like try to estimate what they might run in the forty. And I had him between four five one and four five seven. I've also I've seen. Interesting. I never do that. I, so that's interesting that you do. All that. right. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm just trying to like take notes, you know, yeah. and anything that pops into my mind when I'm watching these dudes. Um, but do you think that he can be like Eric Decker? Now, keep no. in mind, yeah, keep in mind that <laughs> Eric Decker is like good, <laughs> 15, is like 15 pounds heavier than him, right? And one outside in the NFL, right? That, um, that's the key, Evan. I- yeah. The big question that people are going to project and extrapolate is, and this is like this for a number of receivers in this class. We're going to talk about Taewon Taylor. We're going to talk about at some point Zay Jones, Fred Ross, so on and so forth, a lot of these other receivers. Can he play outside? And if not, then you cannot have the focal point of your passing game be a slot receiver, right? I mean, they are just secondary or tertiary uh, outlets for your passing game. And I completely agree with you, Evan. Like, to me, Cooper Cup is solely a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and and the, manufactured tu- the manufactured space I, is, is a good way of putting it. And there were manufactured touches on, on a lot of these smoke screens and a lot of these screens to the outside. Um, no, the only time say, that he ever lined up outside in college was to catch a screen pass. Right. Everything else was slot. And that's not to say, like, he can't create separation in his routes, which I, I think he can. And it's not to say that – and, Evan, I, I actually think one of the most underrated portions of his game, and it's, it's kind of a detailed part of his game, is that he doesn't go up and, and get the ball in those contested catches, but he, like, creates a sliver of separation at the point of the catch. Um, let's see if I can describe this. So, like, he, he can – like when, when the defensive back is going up to get the ball and he did this in college and he did it at the senior bowl, um, he might give them a little shove. He might um, just be able to create that sliver of space where he's the one in the advantageous position, um, even if it's a bucket catch, versus the defensive back who's always in catch-up mode in that situation. Um, and again, that's a minor little detail, but I think it's an important part of his game. But the overriding part of him is, is like you said, I mean, to me, he's a slot receiver. Now, people are going to see him differently than that because he's 6'2 and almost 200 pounds. But, I mean, I, I guess I just don't value him 
where everyone else does just because that's my mentality of him. Do I think he's talented? Do I think he can win after the catch? Does he have straight line speed? Sure. But that's kind of what I'm seeing here. He's built oddly for a slot receiver. Six foot two, 198. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know any slot receivers. I mean, maybe like Muhammad Sanu. Jordan Matthews. Yeah, I mean, he, Jordan Matthews like six four two twenty. Right. I mean, I, I was just even thinking bigger than six one. Yeah. You know, six two one ninety eight. You know, yeah. that's not that's not a, a, the build of like an NFL starting receiver. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that he can't be that. It's just you know so, something worth noting. I just I, I have concerns that he's like a a product of a system right. beating up on you know players that he's two three years older than. Um, you know, I will I, say with the age thing, I wasn't he's, real he's, he's been productive for like four seasons, right? So yeah, even when he was true. 20 years old or whatever, he was still productive. So that, that's, that's a point true. to make as well. Um, but we, we have the same questions. Again, it's, it, it's up to the people out there to watch him and think that he can be more than a slot receiver. But if he's solely a slot guy, then I think his ceiling is capped for sure. Um, you know whose ceiling is not capped, Evan, in my opinion, is Taewon Taylor. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is your boy, and you you know more, a lot more about this guy than I do. I watched him against Alabama and Vanderbilt. Didn't really have any strong takeaways. Really, really slippery after the catch. I mean, he's he's real explosive, dude. In in you know in pretty much every way. You know, he was one uh, of Feldman's fifteen freaks. I mean, I, I would expect him to have a very, very strong combine. His would, jumps are going to be ridiculous, man. I'm telling you. He actually, you know, he's listed at six foot one on the website. Now he's five eleven, one ninety eight. Yeah, but he measured in five eleven. But when I watched him, I was like kind of surprised that he was only five eleven because he because he he plays pretty big. You know why? For his size, his jumps and his long arms. Um, he has yeah. thirty two and a half inch arms, which. Were, He's big for 5'11". Which, let's say, compared to Jamari Staples, who measured in at 6'3", 190, had 32 and 3 quarter inch arms. So, I mean, and, and Evan, this gets to one of the points I want to make is we know he wins in the small game, right? We know he creates separation, sustains it, wins after the catch. And I'm not going to say that he dominates the big game, right? But how often do you see 5'11 receivers actually give effort to win the big game, right? To go up and get it to try to win those 50-50 balls. And again, he might not be successful half the time, but, well, I would say he is successful half the time. Anyways, I, I just love that he has that mentality of instead of playing on the ground, which so many sub-six-foot receivers do, he wants to go and get it, man. And again, we're going to be wowed by his athleticism, but you already see it on the field. And to me, Evan, he's absolutely an outside wide receiver who can also play in the slot. Like, there's a major difference yeah. to me between Taewon Taylor, who played on the outside considerably at Western Kentucky, but also in the slot. But the, I would say the biggest question is that he only played on the right side um, in everything that I watched. I actually asked him about this, and he said he was looking to change that at the Senior Bowl, stuff like that. Um, but mm. And, and I, I had this moment of reflection today, Evan, of why do I like Taewon so much? And it hit me. <laughs> it hit me. Because obviously at Josh Norris is a Taewon Taylor account. Um, his his game his game to me Evan mirrors Baylor Kendall Wright in a lot of ways. Dude, I was literally going to ask you about Kendall Wright at the end of this podcast because his contract is up. Let's talk about him at the end. 
Okay. Um, but Baylor Kindle Wright with someone who can actually try to go up and get it. And, and yeah, I think their games are very similar. Um, it, let me ask you this, Evan. Okay. And instead of talking in generalities, and I'm not going to call anyone out here, right? I'm just saying where people list him. No, do it, man. Okay. Hey, put him on blast. So CBS, NFL Draft Scout, has Taewon Taylor listed as wide receiver 15. Uh, Tony Pauline has Taewon Taylor listed as wide receiver 22. And Matt Miller has him listed as wide receiver 26. Okay? That's ridiculous. All of them are ridiculous. Like, makes no sense to me how some of these receivers who are pure slot guys are being listed ahead of Taewon Taylor, who, in my opinion, Evan, is on the Kindle Wright, John Brown spectrum of being able to win down the field vertically and do so much more with the ball in their hands as well. Like, at least he's a top 10 wide receiver. At least a top 10 wide receiver in this class. Hey, I love it. I love it, man. Do you think you think he could be – so when I was watching, I was like, you know, is there somebody in the NFL that he reminds me of? The first name that popped into my head was Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're a little bit different, oh, yeah. but uh, I think there are some similarities. Uh, if you just want to talk about good receivers that are sub six feet, I think that's Taewon Taylor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, but I'm serious. I mean, I, I really hope people go out there and watch him. Um, and it's crazy, man. Like, I, I even saw a, a quote on NFL.com from their college football section. A scout being like, oh, man, now everyone knows my sleeper. It's Taewon Taylor. Like, a guy, the guy has over 1,400 yards in each of the last two seasons. Like, how is he a freaking sleeper? All this stuff is ridiculous. Do you know what else is ridiculous, Evan? Alvin Kamara being projected in the first round. <laughs> who has that okay uh put him on blast i am right, right now. now i'm i'm and and this is a bigger conversation i'm kind of sick of talking in like generalities of like oh well people okay i know i did it earlier with the cooper cup stuff but from now on evan my um promise to you is i will not say the generic people or draft twitter or whatever i will be specific in who says what and why i disagree wow. with it how about that okay not on twitter just on this podcast I mean, was this inspired by Charles Oakley? Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, sure. Uh, is that some basketball, former basketball player? Um, Let's just move forward. <laughs> so Mike Mayock a while ago said that Alvin Kamara has first round talent. Okay. And then just I don't think that that's that's a ter- that's not a terrible reach. No, I mean, I didn't say it's a terrible reach. But then just yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, put him at number 19 or somewhere in the first round in his mock draft. So there is plenty of talk of Alvin Kamara as a first-round prospect. And to me, Evan, that is kind of a reach. It is. What do you think of it? I think that he's a change of pace back. Um, I think that he's got really impressive, I mean, lightning-quick acceleration, burst and explosion, darting quickness. Uh, really dangerous outside runner. If you give him any open field room, he is a big time playmaker. Uh, just superb foot quickness. Runs like a smaller back. Right. Uh, was used like a smaller back. He was the lightning to Jalen Hurd's thunder. Um, didn't you know? Looked like he was a liability in pass protection and limited exposures there. Um, you know, should be a good receiver, 
but he was used as a committee back with a plotting, you know, guy who averaged like three and a half yards per carry for a reason. And uh, it's rare that committee backs in college become feature backs in the pros. Uh, he is listed at 5'10", 215. Oh, interesting. I would say that, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I mean, we, we will see if, if he measures in at that. I would say that even if he does me- measure in at that, he plays smaller than that. Yeah. Uh, but he is an exciting player to watch, and I definitely think that he is an NFL talent. Um, oh, yeah, he's definitely an NFL talent. And, and to your initial point, um, I don't think he's a primary piece. I think he's a secondary piece um, or a split back, right? And, and I think this is a bigger point that I think in the NFL, if a team is interested or even if they're not, they're going to have this conversation. He's never carried the ball 20 times at the college level, which, you know, we always or there is always a discussion of, well, this guy – has too much wear and tear in his body, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of the opposite of it, right? We, we don't, we've never seen him carry the ball 20 times. Yeah, he went, yeah, I looked at that because you mentioned that stat on uh, the feast. He never reached 20 carries in a college game, and he went over 15 carries just three times in yep. 24 games. Yep. He, did, he did catch multiple passes in 19 of 24 games. I mean, I, I think that it's pretty clear what his NFL role is. Could be, I think he could be very good in that role. He also averaged uh, 11 yards on 26 punt returns and returned one to the house. So, you know, he, he's a satellite back with punt return value. Yep, his, his game reminds me a lot at the NFL level of someone like, you know, Gio Bernard, um, who, yeah. who was a second-round pick. And so, like, yeah, once again, it screams second-round pick to me. Uh, not first round, second round. Um, I, I really liked him on the slip screens that they use. You know, uh, it's a little hesitation. And then he gets out with, like, one blocker in front of him, and he's really good in that area. And they're, like, minor flashes of power, like if he's at the goal line or if he needs to get a first down. But like you, I mean, he's he's more of a and, – and, again, this is going to be something that's difficult for me to find to, to define. He's, like, really good at attacking the edge of a tackle radius from a defender. Like, he loves to weave and kind of use – a big portion of the field and so instead of like getting up close to you and then making a move he kind of veers towards the defender where he thinks is the edge as far as he can tackle in terms of layout to get him um i don't know it's it's a term i've never used i just thought of it while watching him it's an odd one i know uh is that all everything you have for Dalvin, for uh, alvin kamara evan yeah pretty much okay let's end with, he he seemed like a pretty simple evaluation. To me. Right. But, I mean, again, he's being mentioned as a first-round pick by people who are very connected to the NFL, like Daniel Jeremiah and Mike Mayock. Uh, mm. Dal- Dalvin Cook, 5'11", 206. I believe that's why he's listed on Draft Scout. Um, we talked about Leonard Fournette last week, Evan. I talked about how in this class it seems that Fournette is viewed as the power back and Dalvin Cook is viewed as the speed back. Do you think it's that easy to characterize Dalvin Cook as just a speedback? No, I mean he was. First of all, he was used as a workhorse at yep. Florida State, 
had a ton of games with 20 plus carries. I mean, I think he had 20 games, some seven, 17 or 20. Um, to me, he was a classic, pretty classic one cut zone runner, ran downhill, an ability to make sharp upfield cuts. Very efficient, controlled runner who moves faster than he looks. Sometimes you'll be watching him play, and you don't, easy speed. Yeah, easy speed. Like he doesn't necessarily like if you're just looking at him, you, you don't you don't really notice how fast he's moving. But then if you look at him in relation to the guys that he's running by or moving around, you kind of realize, okay, you know, th- this guy is. He's he's faster than than all these other guys. Right. Um, he ran with great like he, he runs really efficiently like very little wasted movement. Ran with great tempo and patience. Uh, was really good at uh, setting up his blocks. Yep. Um, kind of like Zeke in that area, man. I just tweeted out something earlier today where his eyes and feet are yeah. seamlessly connected. Yeah. And yeah. there was one player, I remember, of Zeke against, I believe it was Wisconsin. or my, No, it was Michigan State. That's who it was. And how the offensive lineman has, you know, the outside block. And then at the last moment, the defensive lineman uses a swim move. And then it's an inside protection. And Zeke, you know, read it perfectly, right, to maximize the yards that were blocked for him. And Dalvin Cook did the exact same thing against Louisville in 2015, and that's just one example of it. I think he's so good in that area. I thought that he finished his runs, um, and I wrote a couple times that he that I thought he was absolutely a capable workhorse back, absolutely capable of pushing the pile with power and determination. Uh, his foot quickness stood out even on plays where he didn't get the ball. You know, like he he's not getting the ball here, but I mean, you can tell that like his his feet are just moving quicker than anybody else on the field, uh, and he also ran some legitimate pass routes. His catches were not all just checkdowns mm-hmm. or screens uh, or that type of stuff. Yeah, he made a he made a big downfield reception for forty five yards against Michigan, and against Michigan he had another big catch on a shallow cross. Um, so I, I was very, very impressed with Dalvin Cook, uh, and I, I mean, you know, I, it stinks what 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 happened with with Joe Mixon. Uh, I think that he would be my favorite uh, talent uh, at running back in this class, uh, but because he's inevitably going to be pushed down uh, and, and deservedly so, I think that Dalvin Cook is my number one back. Okay, I have a lot to say about Dalvin Cook, but I'll try to keep it short. Um... If any, if everyone remembers when Ohio State went on that ridiculous tear when they won the national championship with Ezekiel Elliott, right? Elliott was an absolute freak. Um, Dalvin Cook's entire 2015 season when Florida State, one, uh, had a better offensive line, most likely. Um, and two, he was even dealing with injuries in that entire season, Evan, like ankles and hips and all this stuff that he was playing through. He had a 76.4, excuse me, market share of the team's rushing yards, uh, 41% of the total touchdowns for the team, uh, had a nice receiving usage for the running back spot, Um, 10.4% of his runs that year, Evan, were 20-plus yard runs, and he was 
creating 4.2 yards after contact that year. That was better than Derrick Henry. That was better than Leonard Fournette. That was better than Christian McCaffrey. That was better than Ezekiel Elliott. That was better than Kenneth Dixon. I mean, what he did in 2015 while dealing with injuries was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Evan. I mean, I think his balance for his size is, is great. And while he might not be perceived as a power back, I absolutely think he can be a workhorse. Now, there's going to be questions inevitably, right, Evan? And we'll get to those in a second. But um, I want to make this point that a lot of people, whenever we compare draft prospects, people always compare them, again, that's the generic people, to uh, Hall of Famers or all pros, right? And that's kind of unfair. It really is unfair. Um, I've seen some Jamal Charles comparisons, especially when – I compare him to, or when I mock him to, like the Philadelphia Eagles, teams like that. Uh, to me, Evan, he kind of runs similarly to D'Angelo Williams throughout his entire career. Ooh, I like that. Um, and, I mean, D'Angelo Williams was awesome when he was a Panther, right? He dealt with injuries, but and uh, had to split the backfield. He had to Love split the backfield, comp. but it, it's that uh, balance that he always had that was surprising. He also could reel off, and I even think Dalvin has better, better big playability but also as a usable receiver. And, hey, man, I mean, Daniel Williams is still a super talented running back whenever he gets, the, whenever he gets a chance is, is plenty productive. I think that that is a gorgeous, gorgeous comparison. I, I'm, I'm okay at this stuff every once in a while. Um, so, so the questions that will come up, Evan, um, I'm not, the off-field stuff is, is difficult to talk about because he was um, – found not guilty when I think a woman accused him from hitting her at a bar and was found not guilty of that. Um, and there was another incident, I think, with – I can't even remember, so I'm not even going to mention it, okay? Yeah, but, I don't even know anything about but, any but, that. But more importantly, I, I guarantee you at the, senior, at, at the combine, we'll hear about his shoulder injuries yeah. and history of them. Um, and that's always stuff, obviously, that pops up at the combine. Um, I have no inside info on it, but I will say this, that we have seen running backs in the past with shoulder issues get knocked down considerably. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, I believe Lamar Miller was one of those. Yeah. Um, and, and Chris Polk was one of those, went undrafted yep. because of it. Um, so, again, it's, it's only speculation right now, but I bet we hear something of the sort once we get to NFL Combine season, which is early March this year. So um, let's end on this, Evan. And it's the same question I asked with Corey Davis versus Mike Williams because inevitably, you know, a team is going to have to rank one ahead of the other. An evaluator is going to have to rank one ahead of the other. With Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, I think you've already said it before, but I'm guessing you're ranking Dalvin Cook over Leonard Fournette. I think that Dalvin Cook is a more complete back right now. I, I feel a little bit more comfortable right now with Dalvin Cook's NFL projection. I think that I think they're they're pretty different, um, yeah. but uh, you know I, I think that Dalvin Cook is a little bit more talented. Uh, you know, I, again we we discussed Leonard Fournette and like the the the, the gradual progression of how I kind of like didn't like him at first because I watched his injured games and then did come to like him and likened him to DeMarco Murray by, by the, by the time I was done with everything, uh, or just, you know, done watching him. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, hey, look, I think that they easily could both be first round picks and that seems to be where they're both being mocked right now. Yep. And, and that's the most important thing is is just obviously realizing both are talented. But yeah, like you, I, I, I agree that they're different types and that like Leonard Fournette with his power, it's like explosive power and he consistently falls forward on final contact because of that explosiveness and that balance for two to four extra yards. I think Dalvin Cook still picks up a few extra yards on final contact, but it's more of being like slippery at the end of it. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, but more importantly, it's it's that we both think that each can be, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but foundations of an NFL rushing offense. Yes. Um, and that's where we'll them most likely be drafted. Um, did you want to talk about Kendall Wright or do you want to do it after this? Uh, yeah, no, let's, let's talk about him. Okay, um, we, got, we got three minutes. All right, he's a guy who in the NFL has really, really flashed, but it seems like he has clashed with coaching staffs, and obviously they've, they've ran through a lot of coaching staffs in Tennessee, and he just really never caught on. He's about to hit free agency. He's yeah. 27 years old. I have him as a top eight or top seven free agent receiver. I'm just I'm very interested to see where he lands. Why don't you talk a little bit about him from a skill standpoint when he was coming out of Baylor, and, and maybe if you know anything about him. Well, I actually thought not to jump right into it, but I, I, I actually thought that he might wind up with the Panthers for a while um, because uh, Ricky Prohl was obsessed with Kendall Wright coming out of college. Um, like wouldn't stop talking about him at the NFL Combine. But now, obviously, Ricky Prohl is no longer the wide receiver coach of the Carolina Panthers. So I think that his speed, though, especially out of the slot, would be – and I even think that Kendall Wright can play outside, but he's just kind of been limited to the, to the slot. Um, uh, would have been nice for a team like the Panthers. Uh, look, I mean, he has never you know found a consistent role in any offense, and he even got benched for Harry Douglas at times, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to that. Um, I will say that it seems like he's always like been out of shape in some situations, like even in college and coming seems like each year in the NFL that, uh, he's just like a little bit overweight and I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, I, yeah, I always thought that it, it, it definitely seems like there are some like behind the scenes things that right. we just don't know about right. with him. I think we both loved him oh, coming loved him, out man. and, 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 like I still love him. Like when he is healthy and when he's kind of rolling, it's just we have not seen him, you know, like at, at his peak very often. Uh, we we got to see it a little bit in like two or three flashes so, this year. Uh, here's but, a question: you know, it Just has, has not happened for him. I wonder if a team like the Cardinals will be interested in him. Um, oh, that would be awesome because the Cardinals be awesome. were interested a few years ago in Ted Ginn, obviously, and it didn't work out. Um, he. We know that Bruce Arians loves speed. I know that Kendall Wright didn't put up like big numbers in his combine coming out in terms of speed, but he's a speed receiver. And obviously they cut Michael Floyd, right? So uh, with Larry Fitzgerald underneath and speed receivers like J.J. Nelson, John Brown, and Kendall Wright, to me that would make sense. It would make sense. Evan, always a lot of fun. Um, For everyone out there, uh, please rate and review if you like the podcast, let's put it that way. And thank you so much for subscribing. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm actually going to have Matt Harmon to talk more wide receivers. It'll be fun. Um, And maybe Evan will hop on at some point next week, too. Um, And until then, talk to you all soon.